So the reading this evening is taken from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This is the word of the Lord. Brian, thank you for reading God's word to us. Uh, It will be helpful if you can keep Psalm 95 open in front of you. And let's pray as we look at this great psalm together. Father, we pray that you will speak to us through your word this evening. Give us attentive hearts, uh, soft hearts that are um, open to what you have to say to us. And we pray that you will change us for the better as we go into this new year that we might serve you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I think it's a bit of a cliche for a a sermon on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day to talk about New Year's resolutions. So here I go. Um, One witty person that I found uh, online yesterday wrote this. My resolution for 2024 is to stop trying to sabotage everybody else's diets in my office by bringing cakes in to work. Well, that's very kind, isn't it? Uh, Another person wrote, this year I will remember to cancel the gym membership which I set up for my New Year's resolution last year. Well, if we are Christians, I guess we might have some more spiritual kind of resolutions. Uh, Perhaps you want to establish a more regular pattern of prayer. Maybe you want to get to know your way around the Bible better. Maybe you plan to broaden your social life so that you have more opportunities to share your faith. Well, these are all good and worthy ambitions to have for 2024. Go for it. But let me suggest tonight something equally good, perhaps even better than that. Why not make this psalm, Psalm 95 our New Year's resolution. In fact, it contains two simple resolutions uh, that we might consider making our own. And the first is this, to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Let's uh, look together at verse one. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. 
The writer of this psalm wants his readers to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord their God. Heartfelt, joyful, thankful praise of their God. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? I don't know about you, but my heart is not always inclined to rejoice. When we're unwell, when we're suffering, perhaps some of us here tonight are are mindful of of grief, a bereavement that we've suffered. Maybe we're suffering from depression, waiting for an asylum application to be processed, perhaps. We are not going to rejoice in the Lord just because a preacher like me tells us to. No, our hearts need motivations, don't they? We need reasons to rejoice. And wonderfully, the psalmist gives us those reasons. Three excellent reasons to rejoice. First, he says, we should rejoice because the Lord is our saviour. Do you see that? Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Now, that rock suggests a number of things to me. Um, Perhaps it means that God is strong and powerful, uh, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, Maybe it means that God is strong and dependable. Um, I was up in Scotland last year, and, and I saw those ancient granite rock formations in the highlands of Scotland. They're still there after four billion years. That's, that's a rock and a half, isn't it? But I wonder if there's another image that the psalmist wants us to think about here when he tells us to shout to the rock of our salvation. Let me take us back a few a hundred years before the psalm was written, um, to the, the book of Exodus and the amazing rescue of God's people. If you're familiar with the story, um, you know that God's people were trapped in Egypt as slaves of Pharaoh. But then God saved them. He rescued them from the clutches of that Egyptian tyrant and he miraculously brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, through the desert, until they reached Mount Sinai. And there, in a blaze of fire and thunder, God came down onto that mountaintop to speak to them. On the rock, the people heard their saviour speak. And that image of the rock, God as the rock, is picked up a number of times through scripture. Uh, So, for example, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, uh, the people gather together to praise God, and they sing, He is the rock. His ways are perfect, and all his ways are just. And then they go on to repent for the ways in which they have rejected the rock, their saviour. A few centuries later, King David picks up a similar theme as he sings his final song. He says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my saviour. If those Israelites and King David could rejoice in the rock of their salvation, well, how much more can Christians rejoice? Because Jesus is the rock of our salvation, isn't he? Jesus came down from heaven. He died on the cross in our place. And he's rescued every believer from slavery. Not slavery to Pharaoh, but slavery to sin and death. If you or I are trusting Jesus tonight then he is the rock of our salvation, no matter how we might feel. 
I can't possibly predict what's going to happen in your life in 2024. Probably it will be a mixture of joys and sorrows. What I do know is that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. And that historical fact attested to by the witnesses who wrote the Bible, well, that hasn't changed, has it, since 2023 or or years before that. We can rejoice in the Lord because he's our saviour. Secondly, we can do it because he is our sustainer. Look with me at verse 3. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Perhaps you remember the the kid's song that goes, he's got the whole world in his hands. I'm not going to embarrass myself by singing it. But just imagine that, that the highest mountains in the world, in the Himalayas, uh, which take the most expert mountaineers several weeks to climb, they are just cradled in the palm of God's hand. The Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean, the deepest place on earth which has only been reached by a handful of intrepid explorers. Well, God owns that too, doesn't he? The sea is his, for he made it. God holds, he sustains our world. Now that doesn't mean that our world is perfect. Evidently, it isn't. Um, Ever since sin entered the world, creation has been groaning, waiting to be restored on the day that Jesus returns. Mankind's rebellion against God affects everything. It affects the whole world. But despite the wars... Despite the earthquakes, the global warming, God graciously sustains his world. And in fact, he's, he's amazingly patient with us, isn't he? In a world that largely rejects him and his loving rule, he still gives us air to breathe. He gives us sun and rain to grow our food. And most importantly, he will continue to sustain his people into eternity. Rejoice in the Lord because he's your saviour and your sustainer. And thirdly, he's your shepherd. Verse 6. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Now in the ancient world, shepherds were very, very much invested in their sheep. Uh, they literally lived with the sheep on the hillside. They followed them around. They, they rescued them from ditches. They chased away the wolves. And so if you are a Christian, the Lord himself is your shepherd, and he's doing that stuff for you. Again, this is an image that runs throughout the Bible. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel uh, talks about shepherds, doesn't he? Um, He says that Israel's religious leaders have failed to be shepherds. They're they're pretty lousy at their job. Uh, They're not caring for the people. But God himself will come to be their shepherd. It's a great prophecy in Ezekiel 34. And it reaches its climax in John's gospel, in John 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Again, if, if we're Christian believers tonight, then we are the flock We are Jesus' sheep. He guides us as we listen to his voice in the Bible. 
and as we walk by the Spirit, following his promptings in our lives. Jesus, the shepherd, cares for us. He protects us from the devil's schemes. He gently teaches us and corrects us each time we stray into the ditch. And one day, Jesus will bring his flock safely into his new creation, where he will care for us forever. Surely that is a reason for our hearts to rejoice, isn't it? He's our saviour, our sustainer, and our shepherd. Well, each year um, at St. Mary's, we print these cards uh, with a a verse to memorise. You should have one on a a seat near you. And uh, the verse for 2024 uh, comes from this psalm. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Why don't you take uh, one or two of these home with you tonight? Uh, Put them up on your fridge. Uh, I think we're going to send out a blog post with a a PDF as well, if you want to uh, put it as the screensaver on your phone or something like that. My prayer is that it will help us all uh, to rejoice in the Lord through 2024. Well, if the first um, half of the psalm was a, a positive New Year's resolution to rejoice in the Lord. Well, the second half is more of a warning, a warning to heed. The psalmist says, don't harden your heart. Let's read on from the end of verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did at Meribah, as you did at that day at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says, I was disgusted by that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Well, again, the psalmist is referring back in history to another extraordinary moment in the life of God's people when they hardened their hearts against God. They had literally, just within a few weeks, uh, been rescued from Egypt. They'd come out through the Red Sea. They'd seen those extraordinary plagues that God inflicted on the Egyptians. They had been wonderfully rescued from their oppressors. And yet, reaching the other side of the sea... Within a matter of days or weeks, they begin to grumble. I'm going to quote a a verse just to give you a flavor of it. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children die of thirst? I mean, that's ingratitude for you, isn't it? It's extraordinary. They've had years living under this extraordinary oppression in Egypt. And a couple of weeks later, they're grumbling again. It was an astonishing failure to trust God. Well, despite their complaints, God was gracious to them, and he gave them water to drink uh, from the rock. And incidentally, that that rock itself uh, was Jesus. You can follow that little trail in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, if you like. But because of their grumbling, that place where they grumbled was called Meribah and Massa, which means quarreling and testing. It would be forever remembered as the place where God's people had hardened their hearts. Instead of trusting God in uncertain times, 
They quarreled with him and tested him. And the consequences were deadly serious. Uh, We see that in the very last verse of our psalm, don't we? They shall never enter my rest. That generation who came out in the Exodus never made it to the promised land, to their place of rest, because they had hardened their hearts. And the writer of our psalm tonight wants his readers to heed the same warning. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And brothers and sisters, the same warning applies to Christians. The Christian interpretation of this psalm is found in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, No need to turn to it now, you can look it up later. But let me uh, read a a couple of verses from chapter 3, which we have up on the screen. The writer to the Hebrews quotes Psalm 95, and then he says this. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, if if we are believing in Jesus, if we are Christians, then our hearts have been transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's the wonderful thing that happens when we put our faith in Jesus. We are in a better situation than those Israelites were grumbling in the desert. But if we're honest, we are still tempted to grumble, aren't we? Uh, We are free from the penalty of sin, but not yet free from the power of sin over our lives. Let me tell you a cautionary tale, a cautionary tale about a squirrel. A squirrel who discovered a bird feeder in somebody's back garden. It was full of delicious seeds and nuts, his very favorite kind. Now, being a a clever kind of squirrel, uh, he quickly learned how to get inside the bird feeder and to help himself. Day after day, he came back for a little bit more. And each time, it got slightly more difficult to escape from the bird feeder because his tummy was growing. But our squirrel didn't stop until one day he was stuck. And we have photographic evidence. There he is. (laughs) This is a a real photo, by the way. I think the RSPCA came to his rescue. (laughs) Well, like that little squirrel, our own desires, our sinful desires and our habits can begin to deceive us. Just one more, just one more time won't hurt me, we say. It's the, the classic delusion that goes through the mind of people when they're having affairs, doesn't it? I got away with it once, well, well, maybe one more time. And if we're honest, it's the same thing with every pattern of sinful thoughts and behavior that we might be battling with at the moment. And every Christian has a battle of some kind. After a while, our hearts can begin to harden. Our spiritual arteries are clogged. We hear the Lord's voice speaking to us through his word, showing us the good way that he's made us to live. God created us to live his way. But no, we choose to ignore him. We won't trust him because life seems easier without him. Until one day, one day we find ourselves unable to turn back to God. 
those grumbling, unbelieving Israelites in the desert, they didn't enter God's rest, did they? Because they stopped listening to God. And the warning is there for us too. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Well, maybe you're, you're listening to that tonight and you, fi- you find that profoundly disturbing. Is it possible to lose my salvation, you might be thinking? Could I be a, a Christian here tonight on New Year's Eve, but maybe next year, next New Year, um, I will have lost my faith. I will not enter my heavenly rest with God because I have hardened my heart. Well, in theory, yes. But in practice, no. And let me tell you why. It's precisely psalms, uh, precisely warnings like this one in Psalm 95 that God uses to keep his people safe. True believers, those who listen to the voice of their shepherd, who listen to Jesus, will stay on the right track because we will heed this warning. And it's my prayer tonight that we all do that. Real sheep listen to the voice of Jesus. And so I say again, let's rejoice in the Lord and not harden our hearts. And as we do that, we can be absolutely sure in the words that Jesus himself said, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Well, as we finish looking at this psalm tonight, a couple of applications for us to take into the new year. First, a word for you tonight. If you're not a Christian, perhaps you've been listening politely up to this point. Um, Well, thank you very much for listening. Let me say to you, let me encourage you to investigate uh, the claims of this psalm for yourself. Why don't you see if these New Year's resolutions might actually make sense for you? Why not read one of the accounts of Jesus' life? Uh, We have some copies of John's Gospel on the tables at the back. Do take one as a gift from us. Find out why it really might make sense to rejoice in Jesus as your Lord. And starting in two weeks' time, we're running an informal discussion group called Christianity Explored on Monday evenings and another one on Sunday mornings, if that's more convenient. And you can come and ask all your questions. Uh, We've heard many of them before, uh, so don't be shy. Uh, Do come and speak to me or one of the staff if you'd be interested in that. Second, uh, a word to us if we are Christians tonight. Let's keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. He is our saviour, our shepherd, our sustainer. And it's by reading about Jesus, meditating on him, reading about his wonderful works, that our hearts will want to rejoice. I can't wag my finger here tonight and tell you to rejoice in your heart. But as you get to know Jesus in the pages of his word, as you pray to him and follow his leadings in your life, then you will rejoice and it will stop you from hardening your heart. Especially when you come across parts of the Bible that you would rather not read, that you find difficult. And that's certainly been my experience. Each week, uh, our music band at the 6.30 tune their instruments before they they start playing uh, so that they can praise God in tune with one another and with the rest of us. Well, in a similar way, we need to tune our hearts to God, uh, to rejoice in the Lord 
And we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Finally, an application for all of us together as a church, as as the 6.30 congregation and as a church family. Hebrews chapter 3 says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living Lord, but instead encourage one another daily. Let's make our New Year's resolution this, uh, to, to encourage one another to rejoice and not to harden our hearts. How will we do that? Well, perhaps in, in our midweek growth groups, after church on Sundays, over coffee with each other, as we, as we phone each other, send each other messages during the week. Let's be encouraging each other to rejoice in the Lord and see to it that none of us has unbelieving hearts drifting away from the Lord Jesus this year. Let's be folks who challenge one another to follow the good way of Jesus. And and let me say, being open to being challenged ourselves as well. Sometimes that's the hardest part, isn't it? When the Church of England was established nearly 500 years ago, Psalm 95 was established in the daily order of service. So if you went along to your local parish church um, for morning prayer, you would read out this psalm every day. Well, we don't do that at St. Mary's. But imagine that the previous generations who lived in Maidenhead, they would have been very familiar with this warning and the encouragement of this psalm. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it becomes second nature to us as well as a church? Let's, let's come prepared to hear God's voice on Sundays in our own Bible studies and resolve not to, re- not to harden our hearts, but to rejoice in our wonderful Saviour. Let's, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, our wonderful Saviour, our sustainer, and our shepherd. This new year, help us please to, to focus on him, just how wonderful he is, so that our hearts may rejoice in him. And as we do that, Please help us not to harden our hearts. We are all prone to sin's deceitfulness. May your word not go in one ear and out the other. May we not reject the parts of your word that we don't like. But may your word deeply affect us and change us. And as we heed this warning, we thank you that you are our good shepherd and that your flock is safe in your care. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.